Heavenly Father, thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that while no one has ever seen God, the only God who is by your side has come and made you known. Thank you that you've shown us yourself in Jesus. So today as we behold him, would we see even a glimpse of his glory? Today as we behold him, would you change, melt our hearts? Today as we behold him, would you lead us in faith to believe in him for eternal life? And today as we behold him, would you give us rest? Would you give us comfort in his presence, in his truth? It's in Jesus' good and great name that we pray. Amen. Well, in my two and a half years in Dubai, I've become quite familiar with the Dubai way of getting somewhere. You know the Dubai way. Uh, someone sends you a, a WhatsApp pin. So you know exactly where to go. And then you take that WhatsApp pin and then you send it to your chosen GPS app. Could be Google or Waze or some other cool new thing. Um, and in theory, it sounds great, doesn't it? Like GPS tells you exactly of any co coordinate on the world where you need to go. But I think some of us have taken that, that coordinate, leading us to a friend's place and ended up in like an abandoned lot or in the, the cold section of Carrefour. Uh, and, and it sounds perfect, like taking this, this uh, coordinate and sending it to a GPS app. So there we have the world's supercomputers working for us, telling us exactly how we can get to this position, the best place to get there. With the world's computing power behind us, we're told this is the optimal route. All we need to do is follow the instructions. But we all know too often that keeping left doesn't always mean keeping left. And then a quick left and right isn't quite that easy when you've got to cover 12 lanes of traffic in 50 metres. There's a Dubai way of, of getting places which sometimes can get us into trouble. But a few times in my time in Dubai, there's been another way. A friend's wanted me over at their place, but they haven't just sent me a pin. They've said, it's complicated, Morgs. Let me come and get you. And they've driven over to where I am. And they've opened their door. And they've said, come on, get in. And once I'm in their car... I don't need to worry. I don't need to know which way is left or when merging right does not mean merging right. I'm secure in the knowledge that because I'm with them, I am going to end up at their house. I am safe. Today we'll hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I think for many people, they might hear that. They might hear that Jesus is the way and they've got this kind of GPS picture in their minds. Yeah, Jesus gives us some instructions on how we can get to God. But why do we listen to Jesus' instructions and not some other teacher on how to get to God? Well, some people, some of you might hear that, oh, Jesus tells us how to get to God, but that's hard. How can we follow his instructions? It's so complicated. It can get confusing. What if I can't follow these instructions? Yet today I'm hoping that every one of us will see that Jesus being the way isn't just a condition for how to get saved. Jesus being the way should be our greatest comfort, our greatest confidence. 
Because he hasn't just given us instructions. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life because Jesus and the Father are one. And in Jesus, God has come to us to take us safely home to the Father. We hear that Jesus is the way and this should be our comfort. This passage starts, let not your hearts be troubled. And I love this. Uh, Because who should really be troubled at this point? This is the eve of Jesus going to the cross. One of Jesus' closest friends has just betrayed him. That on the next day, Jesus is going to the cross. The next day, Jesus is going to face the, the wrath of the Father. Take the punishment we deserve. Whose hearts should really be troubled? But Jesus cares for his disciples as he cares for us. He knows that as he said that he's going to go away, that they'll be concerned. And he tells them where they can find hope. And I hope even here that we'll be encouraged. Sometimes we'll feel like, oh, maybe our our struggles, our worries, they're not that big, they're not that important. Here we see we have a saviour who cares. Even while he might have bigger things to worry about, he cares for us doesn't want our hearts to be troubled. But importantly, we see here why their hearts should not be troubled and why our hearts should not be troubled. And it's not, he doesn't give comfort by saying, well, things aren't that bad, I'm going away, but it's not that bad. He doesn't say it's it's okay because things will get better. He doesn't say things will be all right if you just follow these instructions. When their world is falling apart in front of them, Jesus tells them that comfort and hope will be found in looking to him and the Father and their relationship. Jesus being the way, the truth and the life is like the tip of the iceberg. But today we'll see there's a reason. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life because Jesus and the Father are one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. We can have hope. Our hearts should not be troubled because believing in God is the same thing as believing in Jesus. I could tell you, put your faith in God and put your faith in Pastor Morgs. And I feel like that's elevating myself to a a position I, I shouldn't really have. But Jesus can say, trust me and trust God. Because that's the same thing. Our great comfort, our great confidence will come and we'll see that today. Because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Because he and the Father are one. To trust him is to trust God. To know him is to know God. We'll see that in a few ways today. The first of those is that Jesus is the way to the Father's house. Because Jesus and the Father are one. You'll see from verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Jesus said that he is the way to get to the Father's house. It's important to notice what he doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, I'm the way to get to just to heaven 
or that if you want to get to some happy afterlife, lots of people in the world hope for a happy afterlife, some happy world, the next world. But the Bible says well, it's, not, it's not just that there's a happy world in the, in the next life. At the heart of the universe is a God, a God who made all things, the God who we heard of and sung of earlier. We have a holy God who made all things, who is the maker and the judge. All people, all creatures answer to this creator God. And all creatures, all humanity will spend eternity either in his presence or away from his presence. There's no vague wish of maybe a happy life in the future. Jesus speaks of his father's house. Because our hope is to spend eternity in the presence of our God, our Lord, our Father. Jesus is talking about how to get to his Father's house. And he says in this house are many rooms. This is where we were made to live for eternity. We were made to live in the presence of the Father. This is where home is. There are many rooms. Jesus says, this is how you get to the Father's house. It's only through me. And he tells us that he's going there to prepare a place for us. But when you hear that Jesus is preparing a place for us in his Father's house, I don't know what image you get. I sometimes think of, is it Jesus fluffing pillows? Is it Jesus making beds or making nice flower arrangements like in a hotel room? I don't think so. As Jesus talks about going to prepare a place, there is somewhere that he is going the very next day. The next day, Jesus will go to the cross where he will die. Where three days later, he will rise again, where he will then be raised to the Father's side. So Jesus said, I'm going to take you to my Father's house And I can take you to my father's house because I'm going to prepare a place for you. As Jesus goes to the cross, he takes the punishment that we deserve to take away the sin that separates us from God so that we can come into the father's presence. As Jesus rose again, he's winning for us the eternal life that we might live with the father for all of eternity. As Jesus rises to the father's side, He is going home. This is where Jesus belongs, at the Father's side, in the Father's house. And Jesus is going there so that we who are in him, we who trust in him, we might join him where he is. As Jesus said, I will come and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is the way to the Father's house because he's the one who belongs in the Father's house. He's the one who owns the rooms. He tells us he came to die for us, to rise for us, to take away our sin, to give us life, that we could go home. Now, in a few weeks' time, I'll be travelling as well, and I'll be travelling back to Australia. And one of the things I look forward to most when I go to Australia is actually to go to Olivia's parents' house. There's a room upstairs in in their home which just feels like home to me. It's got lots of our old furniture. There's my old kind of bedside lamps that I can read by. 
It's got my winter clothes, which I'll need, don't need in Dubai and will need when I return to Australia in, in July. It, it feels like home. The reason that that's home, the reason I can confidently go there, it's not just because, hey, I think I'm a great person. Because I think other nice people could go to Olivia's parents and say, hey, can we stay upstairs in, in your room? And they might be nice people. They might have lived a good life but they probably wouldn't get a place in, in the room. People could come and say, oh, well, I've, I, I love my family. Can I come and stay in, in your room? That's irrelevant for why they would come and stay at Olivia's parents' house. I know I've, I'm welcome there. I know that I've got a place there because, well, Olivia is the only daughter. Um, Olivia's always welcome there. Olivia has a place there. And because I'm with Olivia, I know I always have a place. I am welcome. Jesus is the one who belongs in the Father's house, in the presence of the Father. And anyone who is with Jesus, they're told they belong. And as we we hear the question, like, we don't know the way, how do we know the way? It's like Thomas is thinking like in terms of the GPS. What are the directions? How do I get to the Father's house? And Jesus says, no, don't worry. I am the way. What's the way? I am the way. You don't need to worry about where you turn left or where you merge right. Just get in the car with me. Trust in me. And because I belong in the Father's house, you will be there with me for eternity. You have a place. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get to eternity. None of us have done any, done enough. We're all sinners and we're separated from God. None of us can be faithful enough in following any, any God or any system. None of us can do enough. The way to the Father's house is to trust in the one who belongs in the house and who has come and done everything needed prepare the way for us to save us, to take away our sins and to take us home. Jesus, Jesus is the way to the Father's house because he is the one who belongs there. He and the Father are, are one. And that relates just quickly to the second thing, that Jesus is the way to know the Father. He says, verse 7, If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. So many in the world want to know God. They want a relationship with God. Yet Jesus says, I am the way that you can have relationship with God because I am the one who's in closest relationship with God. The Father and the Son for all of eternity have been in relationship. They have known one another and loved one another. So if we want to know God, the way there is not by following a list of rules. If we want to know God, it's not by just being good or nicer than our neighbours. If we want relationship with God, we need to come to the one who himself is in closest relationship with God and has made a way. John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Brothers and sisters, we can know God. We can have relationship with God. 
Sometimes we can feel like our relationship with God might be sort of hanging by a loose thread. Like if, I, if my heart sort of stays hard, if I fail to obey him this week, like he's going to turn away from me. But we can find our assurance, our hope, our comfort, our place in relationship with God. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on what we have done or how we've performed this week or on how fervently we've, we hope to love God next week. We're in relationship with God through his son. So we are welcomed in. We belong. We know the father as the son knows the father. Jesus is the way to know the father because Jesus and the father are one. Even more than that, we see next, Jesus is the way to see the father because Jesus and the father are one. Philip says to Jesus, verse 8, Lord, showeth the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, showeth the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. You see, Jesus is the way to the Father because he is the word from the Father. He's the, the way to, to see God because he is God himself made known. John chapter, eight, uh, chapter 1 verse 18 said, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus is the way to see God. So many people, as we look around our world, are searching for God. Like they've got a telescope. They're looking to see what is God like. Using all the powers of humanity's philosophy and trying to think, what, what is God like? What is God not like? We're looking through a, a telescope, searching. Yet someone's knocking at the door saying, actually, I'm here. And we say, be quiet, be quiet. I'm looking. I'm trying to figure out what, what God is like, where God is right there at the door knocking, saying, I've come. I've come to show you who I am. Now, how, how has Jesus made God known? Well, it's not particularly in his looks. Like we know Jesus wasn't, probably a six-foot blonde man. But was he five foot three or five foot six? Did he have short or long hair? I don't think that's the point. Uh, Jesus revealed God, we're told in this passage, in two particular ways. Through his words and through his works. Through his words and through his works. Throughout John's Gospel, especially from chapter 5 through to chapters 12, we saw Jesus doing the work of the Father. He talked about it like it was a family business. You know, a family business where the son has grown up and learned everything from the Father. And there becomes a point when the, the, the son or the daughter who has grown up in the family business can do everything that the parent can. There, there comes a point when, in many family businesses, where 
the word coming from the son or the daughter, that counts as much as the word of the parent because this is the family business. And if God has a family business, well, what's his core business? It's giving life. God is the one who gives life. And as Jesus came, he spoke with the authority of the Father because I and the Father are one. Whatever you hear from me, it's just what the Father's saying. Whatever the Father says, he says it through me. And Jesus also does the works of the Father. So as he came and he healed, as he came and he provided food, he was giving life, showing that he's the one who does the, the business of the Father, giving life. And Jesus has made the Father known. And some people can hear that, well, Jesus is the truth. Isn't that narrow? Isn't that arrogant? Shouldn't we li- listen to other sources, other people who, who write about maybe what God is like or how we can get to God? But these, these things, they're coming from us. These are expressions of us with the telescope looking for God, trying to figure out what God is like. Where true arrogance is to say, when God is knocking at the door saying, I'm here, to say, no, no, I'm trying to figure it out, be quiet. It's actually humility to accept that we can't see God, we can't get to God, but to accept that God himself has come to us and made himself known. Jesus is the way to see God because he is the way, the truth, the life who is both God and in relationship with the Father and is himself God's word to us. I think many of us believe that, but we can still be a bit like Philip, can't we? Say, Jesus, I I know that you've you've come and you've shown me God, but Jesus, I've got you, but can you show me a bit more of God? Is there something you're hiding from me? Oh, I can be like that sometimes. Friends, we can know that if we have Jesus, then we have seen God. If we have Jesus' words, God's word behind us, this is the God of the universe who has stretched his hand out to us, wanting to make himself known. The God of the universe wants you to know him. He's given you everything you need. Let's go to God's word. Let's, let's go and turn up here to hear it preached. Let's go during the week to hear it taught and discussed. Let's spend every day getting into God's word because this is the God who made us and loves us and saved us, who's reaching out to us saying, I want you to know me better. I want you to know the joy, the comfort, that your hearts would not be troubled. Jesus is the way to see God because he and the Father are one. And finally, Jesus is the way to serve the Father. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, this is an amazing promise, isn't it? It's an amazing promise, yet it's also a bit confusing. What does it mean that we also do the work that Jesus did? God does seem to work in miraculous ways, in places and at times, yet 
I suspect for most of us, our experience is not a life of feeding 5,000 people, a life of seeing many, many people healed, a life that seems to reflect the miracles that Jesus did in his life. So what, what did he mean? He says, whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do and greater work than these will he do. Now, some people have thought, oh, Jesus says greater works. So maybe it just means we can do more work than Jesus. Like he only got three years of time in one one little area to do miracles. And now God's people for the rest of eternity and across all the world, of course, will be able to do a larger number of, of works. That doesn't seem to be the only thing he's talking about. Uh, Is it impressive? Is it that we're going to make even tastier wine that Jesus made or even more fulfilling bread than he he provided? Again, that doesn't sound quite right either. The key is to think about what the works that Jesus did were doing. Uh, How are the works, and especially the the works uh, and the miracles that Jesus did, recorded in John's Gospel, what, what do they show us? Well, Jesus told us throughout John 5 to 12 that he was doing the work of the Father. Even some of his miracles were doing the work of the Father, revealing the Father, bringing glory to God. But we're also told that those miracles in John's Gospel are signs. When Jesus feeds 5,000 people with physical bread, that's an amazing miracle, but it's pointing to a greater miracle. That Jesus is the bread of life who can satisfy us for eternity. When Jesus gave sight to the blind, that's amazing, yet it's pointing to a greater miracle. That Jesus is the light of the world. That the, the world might know and follow God. When Jesus healed the lame, uh, bringing life to broken legs by the word of his power, he was actually pointing to a greater miracle, that Jesus could give life to all. Even as Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead to live another few decades, that was incredible, yet it was pointing to a greater miracle. To the day when Jesus would speak and by his voice, all of his people would rise for all of eternity. Jesus' works during his earthly ministry, they were signs pointing to even greater works. And Jesus seems to be pointing to those. He says, greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. These greater works will happen because Jesus has gone to the Father, because Jesus has made a way for people to live in relationship with God for all of eternity. Jesus seems to speak of greater works that will come once he has died and risen and gone to the Father's side because people receive not just worldly life that will satisfy them for a day or give them life here for another few decades. The greater works is that Jesus is bringing salvation to the world. Jesus is calling people, men and women from every tribe, language, people and nation into the presence of God to live as his children for all of eternity. 
And as he says that we will do greater works than Jesus did, it's not that we will do these by ourselves. It's that he will call us to be a part of what he continues to do now that he died, rose and ascended. We're a part of these greater works because right now Jesus is taking his salvation to the nations. Jesus is not counting the world's sins against them, but calling people to himself for salvation. He's taking enemies of God and making them God's children so that they might live with God in the Father's house for all of eternity. And he gives us the privilege of being a part of that. You see these works we get to be a part of? When we hold out the word of life, when we share with our friends that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, God is working greater miracles than we saw even in that lifetime of Jesus. We sometimes long to think, oh, to see a feeding of 5,000. We rightly come to God praying for healings, for provision. Yet let's not forget that that greater miracle that these signs were pointing to is the eternal life that God is offering, the eternal life that even through your ministry, people are coming to experience. Friends, I hope you see that Jesus is doing greater works through us, through his people, than he did even in his earthly ministry. And that's how I think we best understand this promise about prayer. Verse 13, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, First, we need to realize how awesome this promise is. Jesus is saying, whatever you ask, you ask anything. This is a broad invitation. Jesus is saying, hey, don't limit your prayers. Come and ask me anything. Bring big things. Bring little things. Bring things that maybe involve kind of what you're working on and bring great, outrageous things that would need miraculous intervention. He's saying, bring your needs to me. But importantly, he says, whatever you ask in my name, it's if, it's if you ask me anything in my name that I will do it. Jesus said, where to ask in Jesus' name? And this isn't treating Jesus' name like a good luck charm. Like parents might say, what's the magic word? And the kids say, oh, please. And say, okay, now you get what you want. Praying and adding on the words in Jesus' name it's not a good luck charm. We can't manipulate God and make him do what we want by adding the right words. That's not how we treat the God of the universe. But praying in Jesus' name is reflecting the reality we've been seeing today. That we approach God not on the basis of what we have done, but we approach God through Jesus. We don't approach God and bring him our requests in our own name. Thinking, okay, Jesus maybe swiped me in at the door, but now I've got to go by myself and convince this king that I don't really know to give me what I need. No, Jesus, the perfect son, has taken us by the hand and walked us into the presence of his father. And Jesus is saying, Father, Morgan and I have something to ask you. 
When we come to our God, we come in Jesus' name. Sometimes we can feel like maybe God doesn't want to hear my prayer. Maybe we've had a, a bad week where we felt distant from God. We've fallen into sin in some ways. We feel like God won't want to hear from me. I've been so distant from him. Yeah, because we don't come in our own name. We come in Jesus' name. Our way to the Father is secured by the Son who draws us in. So whether you've had a good week or a bad week, whether you've been pursuing God or fleeing from God this week, we can come with before the Heavenly Father with the same confidence that Jesus had. Whose prayer will the Father always listen to? To Jesus' prayer. Listen to what Jesus said at Lazarus' graveside. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. See that confidence the Son has before his heavenly Father? Friends, we stand in that confidence. Not because we've followed all of his instructions, but because we've taken hold of Christ. We've got in that car with Christ and he takes us straight to the presence of the Father. In him, in his name. Friends, we can come confidently. The Father awaits your prayers, listens eagerly to your prayers as he listens eagerly to the prayers of his one and only Son, Jesus. But praying in the Father's in Jesus' name, it leads us to confidence, yet it should also shape us and should shape our priorities. Uh, the other thing that Jesus told us there, he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If we're coming to the Father in Jesus' name, that should give us confidence, yet it should also conform us. Say, so if I'm going to ask something in Jesus' name, is this the kind of thing Jesus would want? Because Jesus is the one who always sought the Father's glory. This means that we can have complete confidence that Jesus hears our prayers, uh, that God hears our prayers through Jesus, but also know that even then, uh, we should come with a confidence not in our own plans or our own requests, but in the God who listens to us and loves us. Jesus himself, when he came before this Father, who always heard him, said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The author Tim Chester, in his book, You Can Pray, says this. Prayer in Jesus' name is prayer that matches the agenda of Jesus. And his agenda is to glorify his Father. God may, for example, be glorified through a miraculous healing. But he may also be glorified by our patient endurance of illness. We can be confident that our Father will answer our prayers for his glory, but we must leave it to him to decide how he will achieve this. True faith trusts our sovereign Father and trusts that he will do what is best. So friends, let's go boldly to our God in prayer. Knowing he accepts our prayers, he listens to our prayers as eagerly as he listens to the prayers of his only Son.
Yet let's also remember that he's given us this access as we've been caught up into Jesus and Jesus' mission of glorifying the Father. As we've heard just in the verses before this, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Our God has called us to be a part of his great works of bringing people to salvation. God's given us prayer so that we can come to him with all of our needs, all of our sorrows, the little and the big. We can be absolutely sure that the Father hears and will work for his glory. So as we come from from these verses on prayer, we hear that this is prayer in Jesus' name. This is prayer that the, the Son would be glorified. Yeah, friend, this shouldn't limit our prayers. This shouldn't say, okay, well, let's be really careful about what we pray. Let's only pray things that we know that the Father's going to do. This promise should draw us to bring everything before the Father. Say, Father, I need you in this situation. Father, would you provide for this job? Would you give this healing? Uh, Would you work in this way? We can come confidently and know that he hears, but we've got a greater confidence than our plans and our requests. We have confidence in a loving father who is working for his glory and will always answer for his glory. This shouldn't shrink our prayers to say, oh, what prayers am I allowed to pray? This should lead us to pray the most outrageous thing, ask for the most outrageous things that we could ask for. Because remember, even these amazing provisions that Jesus gave during his lifetime, even the amazing miracles and healings Jesus performed during his lifetime, they were but signs pointing to a greater miracle. Friends, what's the most outrageous thing you could pray? What if you prayed that God would be taking enemies, people from all over the world who've been his enemies, and that he would take away their sin and that they would draw that he would draw them into his family. That's an outrageous thing to pray, but that's exactly the kind of prayer God loves to answer. What if you were to pray, even if you don't don't yet follow God, if you were to pray that God would forgive your sins and that though you've been his enemy, would God make you one of his children, that would God give you a place in his presence for all of eternity through Jesus? That's the kind of prayer our God loves to answer. In all things, we can bring our needs, our needs for healing, our needs for provision, our needs in relationship. We can bring all of our needs knowing that, as Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He will listen. He will answer. His answer may be even more glorious than we had imagined. But we can serve the Father through Jesus because He is one with the Father and He has come to us. Friends, in all of this, let's remember Jesus is no way like a GPS. Jesus hasn't just given us the directions, where to go left, where to go right. Jesus has come to us and said, get in with me. 
take my hand. And that, that invitation is open for all of us today. If you haven't yet followed Jesus, trust him. He is the way, the truth and the life. He has come from the Father to prepare a place for all of eternity with God. And if you trust him, you put your faith in him, you'll just get in the car with him, Lord, he will take you safely home. And if you know Jesus, if you've trusted in him, then know that no matter what comes, no matter how your performance or your faith wavers day by day, week by week, year by year, know that if you know Jesus, the way, the truth and the life, well, he is the way. He'll take you safely home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've not left us to find you, but you came to find us. Thank you that you've not just made a way for us to get to you, but in your Son, you made the way uh, for us to be drawn into your presence. Thank you for this, this promise. There are many, many rooms in your house and thank you that your son has come to take us there. So Lord, help us to trust you. This certainty, this hope, Lord, with that calm, our fears, our anxieties, our hearts. And Father, would we take boldly this word of life, this news that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Would we proclaim it boldly to our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues. And would they find hope and certainty in Jesus and all he's done for us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Knowing you, you hear our prayers as eagerly as you hear the prayers of your only son. So Father, we pray you'd be at work. Do great things. Bring salvation even to many in this room today. Uh, bring it in the lives of many in our families and our friends and our neighbours. Lord, work in our city. Work in your world. Glorify your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.